talk about mental health. Talk openly about mental health. It's all about educating, educating, and educating. Create an inclusive, supportive environment where everybody feels comfortable, safe, asking for help. Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente Northern California. I'm your host, Carrie Owen Fleets. Let me ask you something. How are you doing? Maybe let me ask that a different way. How are you doing? At work, we're called on to help others, perhaps during the most stressful time in their lives. But what about your stress? According to a survey by the mental health provider, Ginger, seven in 10 US workers say the pandemic is the most stressful time of their professional career. It's affecting their mental health and it's hurting their productivity. We know help is a call away or a click away, but far too many people don't reach out for it because there's a stigma associated with mental health problems. In a previous episode, we heard from nurses in their own words who have worked on the front lines during the pandemic. Shakira wrote, the podcast reminds me of NPR StoryCorps with topics that are relevant, inspiring, and heartfelt. I don't even mind the tears. Thank you so much, Shakira. I couldn't agree with you more. We could not have predicted the many emotions this podcast is surfacing, and we thank listeners like Shakira for sharing hers. Thank you, and keep those comments coming. Now let's turn to this episode. We're going to pull back the curtain and learn ways to overcome the stigma of mental health disease to help you and those in your life. Our guest is Dr. Ender Dillon, Regional Director of Kaiser Permanente Mental Health Virtual Care Program, part of the phenomenal Permanente Medical Group. Welcome to Live Well and Thrive, Ender. Thank you very much, Carrie, for having me on your podcast and giving me an opportunity to share my experiences and my perspectives on this. I think it would be helpful to hear a little bit about your background and why you chose a career in mental health. I was born and raised in India. My father is a retired colonel. My mother is a teacher. So I had the opportunity to travel all over India. I did some growing up in the UK. I went to medical school in the Republic of Ukraine and did some clinical work in the UK and then immigrated to the United States about 18 years ago, trained on the East Coast and now practicing in California. I have been blessed to have these unique experiences of growing up in different cultures and also having amazing mentors uh, through medical school, my training programs, who kind of helped me see that I had a certain skill set around listening and observing. And as I was picking a career within medicine, I wanted one where I could improve not just their physical health, but also the mental health of my patients and improve their quality of life. Psychiatry gives me an opportunity not just to understand the disease, but also to know the person and how the disease and the person interact. In my 10 plus, 11 plus years of practicing with the Permanente Medical Group, I'll tell you that no two patients are the same. No two depressions are the same. No two anxieties are the same. So, Ender, let's turn to the elephant in the room. The past two plus years have contributed to so much stress among our staff. What have you seen? I clearly remember it was third week of March, about two and a half years ago, one day when the state of California decided, uh, you know, we're going to shelter in place. 
and there was so much uncertainty with COVID, what it meant, how it's going to impact our lives. And not just COVID, over the course of last two and a half years, we have had a racial justice movement, we have had a polarized election, a war in Europe, inflation through the roof, now monkeypox, and healthcare providers, not just within my own department and my colleagues who I work with very closely, I see people are beyond burnt out. The most difficult thing for a healthcare provider is that helplessness one feels in these situations. We had no training ourselves how to get through these multitude of stresses we have experienced in two and a half years. And then feeling helpless providing care initially, you know, we did not know what treatments work, what to do with our patients, isolating, the mental health system being stressed with this inflow of patients. That has led to people just getting exhausted, not just physically, but emotionally. And I've seen colleagues come to a place of learned helplessness, not knowing what to do. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about stigma. I think the overall stigma around mental health has decreased, but there is still so much stigma surrounding mental health problems. I think one of the reasons why there's so much stigma around mental health is there's this attachment of shame that society places and that people place on individuals who are living with mental illness. Do you have an example of a person who lives with such shame? Many examples, Carrie, personally and professionally. I have had family members going through the last two and a half years, and if not longer, suffering with a mental illness like depression, a close family friend um, who struggles with depression, but just unsure of what it means, unsure what people might think about them, and unsure how it might affect their life. That leads to them not seeking care. So just helping them, uh, being a good friend, being a good uh, relative, just listening to them. At the same time, my patients, I've been with the medical group for 11 years, and I am now starting to see patients who I haven't seen in eight or 10 years come back struggling, yeah. thinking that things were better, things were much more manageable, and they've become more unmanageable. And that stigma, the shame, the uncertainty, the fear, leading them to kind of delay seeking care. So many, many, many of my patients, a lot of my family and friends are struggling and you see it every day. Well, talking about mental health, I think is one step in reducing the stigma. But when someone does share that they have anxiety or depression or another mental health issue, it makes others uncomfortable. Is there a way for a person, in your opinion, with mental health issues to talk about it? How can you get people comfortable talking about it? One of the root reasons, Carrie, is not knowing what to say. What one can do is start by educating themselves. What does that mean? It's hard to put in somebody else's shoes when they are going through mental health issues, be depression, stress, anxiety, or whatnot. But educating themselves that how that impacts physical health, day-to-day -day living, functioning, goes a long way. Being active listeners, just listen. You don't have to respond. I always tell my colleagues and my friends, the best we can do is just be present and be active listeners, empathetic, active listeners, connecting with people, creating a safe environment for people to share their experiences, normalizing them, that goes a long way. So those are some of the things which we can do to kind of normalize these conversations around mental health. 
What do you think is the best way to create that environment of allowing others to kind of speak their truth around their mental health issues? I think the first thing which we can do is create an environment of safety, empathetic listening, and being non-judgmental. Talking about mental health, normalizing it, educating ourselves, educating others that this is something real that they're experiencing. Being conscious of our own language, and that goes towards being judgmental. A lot of times, patients and people struggle with seeking care because there is fear, there is uncertainty, there is shame, there is a lot of fear of discrimination. And what you can do is by creating a safe environment, being an active listener, normalizing their experiences, you can start breaking some of the barriers about stigma for receiving care. That's fantastic advice. I remember talking to a nurse leader who, by sharing their own experience and connecting with EAP and why they connected with EAP and how it helped them, he had to really take a step back and say, you know, this is right for me to do as a leader, to share this openness with the rest of my nursing colleagues. And like a week or so later, he had two or three nurses reach out to him and say, I also reached out to EAP and I feel so much better. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your story. That's just another example of what you were just saying. You're absolutely right. Carrie, I would like to add, if any person were to see a bleeding wound, there is compassion. There is empathy by default because it's visible. I think people can get to a place Hearing about mental health, somebody struggling with mental health issues, developing a similar amount of compassion and normalization of what you're experiencing is real and being empathetic about it and just being active listeners and guiding them and supporting them. And sometimes support is unspoken through your actions. You know, as we were saying, those with mental health problems may also try to keep it a secret, even from those who are closest to them. And the secret that creates isolation and tends to add additional pressure to the patient and contributes to the reluctance to seek treatment and probably exacerbates the situation in the first place. Am I right about that? You're right. Part of what mental health does to a person is takes them to a place of uncertainty, fear, and disconnecting from their loved ones, their support system. And we can educate people is staying connected with your support systems, be it family, be it friends, be it co-workers, focusing on those relationships, putting trust in those relationships, openly sharing. And on the back end, us creating that environment of safety and listening and empathizing and empowering goes a long way. Take advantage of the many wellness resources we offer our employees. Mindful Hub is a volunteer collective that shares mindfulness activities throughout KP. Learn more on HR Connect, mental health and well-being for employees. Now back to our conversation. Andrew, you also mentioned different cultures have very different viewpoints on mental health issues and Northern California has so many different cultures. What makes it such a beautiful fabric of society. Can you give us an example of what one culture may be blind to in another's culture as it relates to mental health? So I practice in Stockton, California and uh, Center Valley. I'm lucky to be practicing in such a diverse area. And I'll start with my own culture. 
I hail from North India. And there are cultural differences which clearly impact uh, different aspects of mental health. People tend to focus more on the physical aspect. So I have many patients from the Punjabi culture which will come in with family and friends and will let their family and friends do the most talking. And the patient usually takes a back seat. Maybe it's a place of learned helplessness or shame or guilt. Very different practicing in the UK or practicing in the US where it's a little bit more patient-taking. So, you know, in every interaction, I see an opportunity. That's where I try to empower my patients and help them understand, hey, what you're experiencing is real. I want you to speak. I want you to tell me what's going on with you. Your family members, they're here, which is great. You need the support system along with the help we're going to provide you to get through this. But at the same time, I would like you to take ownership. The power of finding our voice in a speak up culture. Thank you for sharing that. I, I wasn't aware. So let's get to your tips, your advice for how to overcome mental health stigma. Can you walk us through your day with an example or two of how you maintain good mental health? This is the secret sauce of continuing to practice as a mental health clinician. It starts with self-care. If I am not in a good place, physically and mentally, how can I help my patients? How can I help my colleagues? So self-care becomes very important. So taking care of your physical health, meditating, mindfulness, taking care of your mental health, acknowledging you're having a rough day. Give yourself a hug. It's all right to have a rough day. You're not invincible. Modeling that good mental health and physical health at work goes a long way. Then I am a person who is backing up my words through my actions. I like to talk openly about mental health, not just within you know, my own department where we have trained professionals, but you know, as I interact with people from other departments, I talk openly about mental health. I see every opportunity interacting to educate people, to normalize mental health conditions, creating an inclusive, supportive environment, using patient-centric language, if, if the person's perceiving that they're going to get judged or feel ashamed, using a patient-centric language makes it much easier. Can you give me an example of using patient-centered language? For example, if a patient comes and says, hey, doc, I am going through this and it doesn't make sense and I am just failing at work. Don't ask them what feeling at work. Focus on what's going on. What are you feeling? normalizing what they're feeling is, I feel sad, I feel angry, I feel irritated, I feel helpless. Help them with through your open-ended questions. Get to the point where it's about the patient. It's not about you. You are not jumping to solutioning. Learning new skills for myself. I'm a lifelong learner and I always say, okay, what's the new skill I can do? Paying attention to the present moment. And when you practice those things at home, soon to be 10-year-old, 20 girls, they're learning. Talking to them this morning, I was like, what were you doing when you are brushing with teeth? Oh, daddy, I was thinking about what I'm going to wear to school today. I said, when you're brushing your teeth, you should be thinking about brushing your teeth. Little tips, reminding myself, being mindful myself, creating that supportive environment. I think that is critical, not just for a person's own mental well-being, but also creating a supportive environment to decrease stigma, to help people, to guide people, to educate people. Is it also beneficial for people to label their emotions as they experience it? Is that also kind of a tool to help people move forward? 
if I feel angry and for a certain reason, I can say it that today I'm feeling a little frustrated and angry. And then following it up by saying, hey, this is why I'm feeling a little frustrated and angry. And then on the back end, as treating provider, me validating those emotions and feelings. So fantastic. So I end each podcast episode asking the same question of all of our guests. What one piece of advice would you give our team to heal and to rebound from the past two plus years? I would start by saying, take care of yourself. And taking care of yourself means what do you control? Eat right, sleep right, exercise. Good sleep hygiene, focus on a good balanced diet, getting some sort of physical activity. For my leaders, I would say model mental health at work. We have a responsibility and more so now. We might be coming out of one pandemic, but we have walked into another one called a mental health crisis in this country. Everybody carries a bag. Sometimes it's heavy and sometimes it's light. And we have a responsibility to kind of help people make their lives a little bit more manageable because we don't know what the background story is. Another thing is talk openly about mental health. Create an inclusive, supportive environment where everybody feels comfortable, safe, asking for help. As an organization, we do an amazing job around mental health awareness campaigns. We are the best people to advertise that and help our colleagues use it. What a wonderful conversation. I want to thank Dr. Ender Dillon, Regional Director, Kaiser Permanente Mental Health Virtual Care Programs, a part of our amazing Permanente Medical Group. Thank you so much, Ender. Thank you, Carrie. It was a pleasure to be here and to chat with you. What an important conversation and actionable steps we can take to overcome mental health stigma. This podcast is one of many resources to support your well-being, including the Calm app, which we offer to KP employees who are also members. You can find additional resources from physical health tools to mental health support to how to thrive at work on HR Connect under Benefits Wellbeing. I started this episode reading a comment from a listener, and I'd like to invite you to share what's on your mind, ask a question, or suggest a topic or a guest. Send it in an email or buy a short video to livewellandthrive at kp.org. You never know, we may use your comment or audio snippet in an upcoming episode. And of course, I'd like to thank you, our listener, for tuning in to Live Well and Thrive, a podcast recognizing the hard work, dedication, and diversity of our team at Kaiser Permanente. I'm Carrie Owen-Pleats, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.